Hey, beautiful soul fam. Welcome to another new episode of Ceremony Circle Podcast. I am your host, shaman and author, Allison Charles. And I'm really, really happy to be connecting with you today. The latest in my personal world, my fiance Luke and I have been making really great progress on our home renovations here in Texas. The latest scoop is that we have officially picked out the floor tiles, the wood floors, the backsplash, the appliances, the hardware, the paint color, the Japanese soaking tub. We have reconfigured the functionality of the kitchen about 20 times, but we think we officially nailed it today. So huge relief there. And we have even received a Morotsko ice bath that is now sitting in our backyard. And with that intriguing addition, I decided to take my first ice bath in about 20 years. The last time I took one was when, and this is going to really show my age here, but the last ice baths that I would take was when I was a college athlete at the University of Alabama. And I was a distance runner. I ran cross country, indoor track, and outdoor track. So it was a year-round sport. So obviously, running year-round at that level, my body took a huge beating on a daily basis. Oftentimes, we would train. We would run uh, twice a day, every day. So a lot of ice baths back then. But um, then I really, after my college running career was over, I really took a huge break my body rest for a long time and I just didn't want to push it in any way and that included ice baths so I decided to take my first one I was hearing the call to do it the call actually came in when we went to the Morotsko headquarters in Phoenix Arizona and the couple who runs this Morotsko business they're really spiritual really beautiful souls And something started to speak to me. And you all know I live completely by the calls. So when that uh, call started to come in, I thought, oh my gosh, there was definitely one that I was slightly resistant to. I knew I would honor it and I knew I would answer it. But I was like, oh no, if I'm hearing the call that I'm supposed to do an ice bath again, I know I need to honor it and I kind of don't want to. But I'm glad I did. And uh, it was guided by Andrea and she's from the Morotsko team. And she has developed the Morotsko method, and it incorporates a lot of spiritual practices, sound healing bowls, and very fiercely listening to the guidance that she gives you. And I know that doing it again for my first time with her guidance really helped empower me. So I'm sure I will be taking more ice baths soon. Okay, on to today's Ceremony Circle adventure. You are soon to meet a dear friend of mine. And at the top of the interview, you'll actually hear how our relationship has evolved throughout the years. She is an energy reader, healer, poet, and meditation teacher, and her name is Soleil Romero. Now, we talk about a lot of very potent elements of walking the spiritual path, including why embodiment is the most vital piece for earth life, especially for this new paradigm that's birthing, and extra especially if you're a teacher, a spiritual teacher of any kind, and how the point of being here is to be in body and not escape. And the heart of this episode is talking specifically about ceremony, a ceremony space with no physical tools. The only quote-unquote tool 
being our ability to connect directly to source. So no bells, no whistles, no plants, no instruments, nothing outside of ourselves required. It's simply using meditation to access the divine and our higher selves. We talk about a technique for learning how to talk to the essence and thoughts that show up for you during meditation and the benefit of doing this. Soleil very generously shares about her dark night of the soul, her personal life-altering meditation experiences, including one that revealed a suppressed memory that then took her on a many years long meditation journey. There was a golden thread that carried her through it all and provided the deepest healing of her life. I share my definition of soul readiness, what it is and why it can be the absolute key for total liberation. What practices provide deep trust within yourself and knowing that you can handle anything that comes your way without pushing against it, avoiding it or resisting it. Another one of my favorite parts is Soleil sharing about her grandmother and her mom, how they worked with the magical healing arts and metaphysics. Her mom is actually an author on near-death experiences. And while Soleil's mom has transitioned to the other side, she shares some of the most incredible and mind-blowing stories of spiritual practices that she did in her mother's final 48 hours being here on earth and how that has allowed her to be more connected to her now than perhaps ever before. So Lay shares about Reiki, what it is, and the form of energy healing that's come to be true for her in terms of channeling source energy into and for the field of the client, and the key she says that gave her mastery of this craft. We talk about what we both say is the most needed ingredient for the world right now, And you know that I always highly recommend you stick around to the very end of the episode when we immerse in an actual ceremony experience. And I want to thank Star Animal Sundays for making this episode possible. They are a line of ethically sourced, repurposed gold, fine jewelry that you might have guessed it, specializes in and highlights the world of power animals. And you know that is one of the aspects of shamanism that is most near and dear to my heart. The power animal world emerged as my first guides after my spiritual awakening and even came to me to be a voice for them in writing the animal power book and card decks that will be out this year. So I recommend you heading to www.staranimalsundays. That's S-T-A-R-A-N-I-M-A-L. S-U-N-D-A-Y-S dot com, staranimalsundays.com, and simply and simply tuning in, feeling into all the animal options, and allowing your intuition to reveal to you what animal's medicine is calling to you most right now. They have necklaces, rings, bracelets. All of the diamonds are ethically sourced, and the gold is repurposed. I'm currently wearing my horse necklace. One of the main healing attributes of horse is connecting to your fullest inner divine power and freedom. And I've been feeling those vibes lately. And at checkout, be sure to use the word star power, all capital letters, star power, because not only will that get you a beautiful discount, but 25% of sales using that code will be donated to a cause that's very near and dear to my heart. It's called the BOA Foundation, and they work to preserve sacred 
and indigenous wisdom traditions from around the globe. So today, Soleil is bringing in source and earth energy via meditation, which equates to you remembering who you truly are. So this episode will be a powerful, loving, kind, medicinal ride for everyone, but there could perhaps be some extra gems in it if you are someone who has hit up against resistance or found any kind of dislike around the practice of meditation. Today's circle may just give you the gems of information to bring you back into the exploration of it. And in a couple of seconds, we actually start this episode with a brief breathwork practice. So you will be gifted with a special book-ended Ceremony Circle podcast episode with a ceremony experience at the top and at the end. It's truly a celebration of our human experience with the divine. So let's go. Want to do a little breath together? Mm-hmm. You want to guide it? Okay. Let's just tune into our breath for a moment. Just connect into the breath. Just set down everything else outside of you and allow your awareness to be completely steeped in the breath. And let's take a nice full inhale, filling all the way up. Pause at the top. And a nice full exhale. Let's clear it out. Do another like that. Nice full inhale, fill all the way up. Full expansion, and then pause when you arrive. And then clear it out completely. Ah. We've got one more. Fullest inhale yet. Fill all the way up, feel your body expand, feel your spirit expand. Tune into spirit within and beyond. Take a pause. And a full clear it out. <sighs> and so it is. So it is. Ah, gosh. Oh, I felt like the perfect way to start this chat. Yes. Hello, sister. Hi, sister. I mean, how far have we come as friends? Man, yeah. I was thinking about that on my way over here. <laughs> just the evolution of our friendship is just so perfect, divine. I love it. Yeah. I wanted to actually start there. It wasn't on my initial list. And then I hand wrote it in when I was sitting on my altar this morning because I was yeah reflecting back. I don't know. How how long ago was that? Two, three years? I want to say, I mean, 2017 was what just hit. So maybe about three years. So three years ago, I think I had put out an Instagram story because at that time I was filming a show called Soul Reboot here in LA. At that time, for all of you listening, I was still living in Brooklyn primarily and doing the bi-coastal thing, filming this Soul Reboot show. And I wanted some support in the studio. You know, it's a a lot going on and Mm -hmm. put out an Instagram story saying, hey, anyone that's LA based that I don't remember exactly what I said, but I just remember you messaged. And I was reflecting on just, I really had such instant respect for you because you just were so humble and generous and there just was no ego involved. I remember you being willing to, in order for the filming day to just feel as ease-filled as possible, you were like, I'll come pick you up. And I said, I'm all the way in Topanga. And you're like, that's that's fine. And, and we hadn't even met in person. And I remember thinking, wow, what a 
beautiful being. Mm. What a gracious woman that she's so willing to just go above and beyond without having even met me yet. And um, you were just really on point and held such beautiful space. And we just kept staying in touch, staying in touch. And then I would stay with you sometimes and you, then I got to know your Reiki abilities and it's just been this beautiful layer by layer, expansive flow with us for many years now to the point now where those old functionings like are not at all at play and you're, I'm now interviewing you. (laughs) It's so amazing. Yeah. You know, it's like a, it's I guess it's not technically a 360 or a 180. I don't know what this is, but it's a big transformation. Yeah. I think it's a remembering, you know, of, I mean, I feel like I know for me right away, it was like, oh, okay, yeah. I mean, connecting back with you, if you will, that we have perhaps done lifetimes together before. And, you know, to me, it's like, however you come back together is only just the very beginning of the story of your new found connection and evolution. And that's just what it's been with us is just evolution. And, you know, it's when we talk it, when we sit and talk, it's, you know, we're talking about these huge expansive topics most of the time. Oh my gosh. (laughs) And a lot of them, you know, there, there are some threads that I can only really dive specifically and super deep with, with, with you, you know, so that's been been really cool. And and so let's start with some of those similarities. And I think one of the reasons we just got back in such organic touch and, and became, you know, reunited as friends this lifetime is we both really treasure embodiment mm-hmm. and being a really integrated human healer, all the things that we are. And So why is embodiment so crucial for you? I would say that it stands out most to me as when I consider myself a teacher in any way. My first question around that towards myself is, am I living the truths that I teach? And if I were not to say anything at all, would I still be teaching the same message? Mm. And that to me is sort of the texture of the new paradigm, right? Because we've come from this age where most of the teachings are, are verbalized and they're traditionally passed down through story. And that's been such a wonderful way to evolve intellectually and to intellectualize these really divine and vast and expansive topics. And so the next level though, and and this is both sort of on a micro level in how we evolve as humans and on a macro level is how we evolve in humanity, is that we evolve energetically first from root to crown. And so that would make sense then that we're sort of needing to know because our our mind, of course, is the number one thing that we use to sort of navigate this reality right now. So we would need that information to really kind of be able to even understand in any capacity the entirety of what we're talking about when we talk about the divine or source or whatever else there is. So we, we expand up into it. And then the next level is to bring it back down and to be the humanness of it, right? Because the point is not to escape 
the human mm-hmm. body. We're here, obviously, to embody, to be in body. So then, the, the and that's what level, we're so excited about, right? When we're this swirling around in the ethers, <laughs> we're putting our hands up, saying, "Pick me to incarnate, so we can experience these physical vessels and experience human emotions completely. And all the rich aspects that you can only really dive into here on Earth. Absolutely. And you know what I will say for me personally also is that this was brought so early into my consciousness from my mom. Yes who was, you know, very much human still, you know, but she was so woven into the divine that it was absolutely a part of who she was, what she talked about. We were constantly on the search for synchronicities, constantly looking at license plates. We had, she had her systems down and how she'd bring the divine into all aspects. And yet, you know, she still loved to take shots of tequila. She loved football. You know, she, she was so, such a midpoint between the two. And so that as a reference point, because she was also just bestie, my number one, day one, literally what I strive to be like was like, wow, that's so cool. Because it wasn't like, it wasn't that the divine was out there and that she needed to change what she wore and do anything different and put herself inside of any other, you know, structure than just her own home and her own space to be able to still be so connected to the divine. Yeah. And what's coming up for me that's so beautiful. There are a few things and I definitely were we're for sure going to talk more about your mom, but the specific piece of dismantling that you need to dress or act or look any particular way in order to be, you know, a true spiritual teacher absolutely, or a true spiritual path walker that's integrated. And I know that for both of us and in different ways, that's a part of our teachings, whether we say it or not, it's just we were given these particular physical vessels and look these certain ways. And uh, sometimes I am called to wear, you know, a beautiful artisan top that a Mexican healer handmade. And sometimes I like to wear a Versace dress. Completely. And I'm still an embodied, integrated Absolutely. healer, no matter what. Absolutely, because true embodiment does not look a certain way. It looks your way. And I think that that's where, you know, spirituality withdraws from, say, religion that says, do it like this, whereas spirituality is like, do it like you, right? And true embodiment is not, I mean, you you can look to others to see how they embody themselves, but you are the only one who will know what embodiment feels like to you at that home frequency where like, this is fucking me. Yeah. And then to do all of that, you know? And to give ourselves permission to experiment, right? You yeah. Know, we're, we're here, in my opinion, to infinitely explore and, and to dive into infinite expansion and evolution and being open with that and and just playing and and experimenting with with what feels right and it's of course can change and just because you know at the beginning of your shamanic or healing path you felt drawn to always for some reason wearing light blue or white and that's just or bindi or what whatever thing that just evoked what you needed to have evoked at that time And then three years down the road, it's like the light blue is a wrap and now you're into feather earrings and, you know, it's (laughs) just letting ourselves be 
liberated with learning. Mm -hmm. And evolving and changing and not being so attached to anything and and especially anything that you use to define yourself because that's ever evolving. And the more you can allow that flow, the more quickly you evolve because it's really just us that keeps ourselves from evolving. Ultimately, Mm -hmm. our concepts of who we think we are, our labels, our definitions, which are all ultimately limitations to being all the more expansive, ever-changing, you know, completely entire all the time with or without the light blue or the feather earrings. Right. And the next thing that's coming in, and the thing that's been so cool for me to witness doing interviews now where I'm at in my path in life versus when I was not awake yet and hosting hip-hop radio morning shows and the national daytime TV show it's so much more fun now because now I'm just getting the hits like as the guest is talking and I'm like, I'm being totally guided by spirit and by source where the whole flow needs to go. And it's just, it's so fun. That's amazing. You know, it was something I wanted to talk about, like just in general, like watching how we judge others or judge ourselves. Because ultimately, I think when we notice we have a propensity to judge others a lot, that that's because we tend to be critical of our own self. Completely. Right? Yeah. And I think the more we reconnect within our own selves to the remembrance that we incarnate down here on this planet to learn and grow, it's like, let's give everyone else the permission Completely. and space to do Absolutely. that too. Absolutely. And a judgment, especially, you know, for me, anytime I feel the air of judgment, you know, I, I let it be and I let it exist. In fact, I called you the other day and I was kind of venting in maybe a way that was somewhat judgmental. And as soon as we hung up the phone, I was like, all right, what is happening for me? You know, because it's just me. A judgment is your own. It's literally a projection of what's within you. So to me, it's like, it's a beautiful teacher because it says, yeah, look at this about yourself because, it, you know, the person is just simply doing what they do They're, you know, and so your perception around it, your harsh perception of it is really just telling you, hey, look at this about yourself because there's something here for you to learn, mm-hmm. right? And, and that's just another way to embody, right, is to use everything as a teacher, not anything beyond any, it could be anything, you know, literally nature, animals, being triggered, judging people, you know, everything here is is a mirror and and has the capacity to reflect you back to you. Yeah, that's why it is so beautiful to take that next step when you do observe harsh, judgmental, critical totally. thoughts about another. It's it's really it is about taking that pause and doing that inner self inquiry. Definitely. It's easy and convenient to skip over that oh, yeah. step. <laughs> <laughs> Most people do. You know, it's true. Right. And then when it comes to ceremony, because this is Ceremony Circle podcast, I really wanted to dive into the fact that we view ceremony and at times work ceremony in a similar way in that Our primary means of connecting to other dimensions, other realms, other beings, great spirit, great mother earth, it's it's just our direct connection to those places. And we have devoted a lot of our practices to just learning how to open up those gateways and channels just directly. Absolutely. Not 
requiring anything. So what is your take on that? Just like, what does that bring up for you when I talk about, you know, sharing ceremonial space or having a ceremonial practice that requires no tools, essentially. Yeah, you know, I mean, to me, meditation is kind of the number one way of sort of defining how I would say that I access ceremony without anything else. And, you know, my, my mother certainly meditated, so it was a part of my context. I really started meditating, I would say, in about 2011. And as soon as I found it, it was like uh, remembering, like this was so such a tool that I certainly used in past, past lifetimes and was just so present and available as a way to access the divine and and a way to access myself, my higher self and the aspects of myself that I had forgotten, which I would say is the context of ceremony, right? It is perhaps accessing a higher power, a higher intelligence, and or remembering yourself, coming home to yourself. And it's the intentional practice of conjoining with source or spirit or higher power with the intention to remember integrate higher powers within yourself. And to me, right away, I found that in meditation, you know, and my meditation journey was, I think, somewhat accelerated generally, because I do know that the meditation journey for many is is long, you know, and you start very slow and it might start without any sort of connection to it. And you might do it first and you're like, this is not for me. A lot of people do hit up against resistance. Oh, completely. <laughs> it's a big one for sure. <laughs> And there's so many styles out there. Absolutely. Vedic. I mean, sure. oh my gosh. I mean, the list, it, it goes on and on. But, you know, if I will just do this little side note, stay where you're at with your thought. But, you know, to anyone listening, if if you're like, oh my gosh, that's so me. I've tried meditation and you just don't think it's for you. Keep exploring the different styles, techniques, modalities. You know, even, you know, in my online course, I guide nine different shamanic journeys, which is, you know, a, a, a different flow and form essentially of of a meditation, but there's something out there for everyone. Absolutely. And the truth is also that no matter what form you use, you're still just accessing yourself because no matter if you're listening to a singing bowl or you're listening to a guided meditation or you're you're using a mantra, your mind is still going to wander. And that's the journey of meditation, right? Is that right away, you'll just generally be sitting and thinking the whole entire time. And so there is no expectation at all for how this is going to look. There's not, you know, um, progress is not linear. It's not like you slowly reach a place where you stop thinking and, it, you know, a, a linear progression of that. It's more so that you're just going to constantly meet yourself. And these other tools are in a way kind of ways to just sort of distract the thinking mind. I mean, ultimately, in medita- any meditation style is trying to kind of distract you out of those thoughts and bring you into a presence, be a container where you can be more present. But to me also, as both a practitioner of meditation and a teacher, I say, you know, maybe be with the thoughts too and, and, and listen to them and hear them because there's so much work that happens underneath those thoughts. Yeah. And if you continuously notice that there's a certain vein of thought or when you feel into the energetic essence that is coming with the thoughts, like if you're starting to pick up on, oh my gosh, I notice every thought I think is coded with worry, Mm, you know, then that's huge information that is communicating to you. I call it divine connected dots. It's then showing you, okay, so if I'm feeling that energetic coat of worry. Let's then talk to the worry. 
worry, where are you in my auric field? Where are you in my body? Feeling if it's pulling you down to your left lower abdomen, hip area, going in there and you know, gently putting a hand on it and closing your eyes and tuning in and what is held here. What, what concern is stored here? And most often a flash memory or a word or something will come to the surface and all of a sudden you'll be taken back to something that you forgot happened, you know, when you were 12 years old that made an imprint and you're, and then you're thinking, oh my goodness, I really need to go deeper with this. I forgot mm-hmm. that that trauma with uncle George happened yeah, Totally. and I, how, okay. So how should I best investigate and explore this to heal it and waiting for that answer to arise. And maybe it's speaking to a therapist or going to, uh, you know, a family constellation therapist. You know, it's just, if you just stay with it, it will take you exactly where you need to go. Absolutely. And what more ceremonial than that? You know, and it might be uh, ongoing, you know, because yes, you meet the worry here in your abdomen and, and all that does is open the door for you to heal what's there, which may not happen in that moment, in right. that one sitting. It might take years, but it has opened the door to your awareness to say, whoa, I completely forgot that that happened or wow, this is, you know, a, such an energetic hold or block in mm-hmm. my energy field in my system. And so then it's the slow unwinding and unlearning and removal of the block so that you can embody more completely. But it's not in... It doesn't generally often happen in one sitting. I mean, there might be big, profound revelations that happen in one sitting, but the healing then happens in real time. It happens in later sittings. You know, it happens in relationship. Yes, it's just, it's a, it's a never-ending alchemy that yes. is now brewing in your favor Yes, for your greatest good forevermore because you had the willingness and mm-hmm. courage to ask, receive, explore, go further, go deeper, feel more, have the uncomfortable conversation with Uncle George, you know, whatever, (laughs) whatever. I don't know where, I don't even have an Uncle George. I don't either, but. (laughs) Oh my gosh, it's so beautiful. So what are a couple of, you know, when I think about my meditation time, I always start with it in the morning at my altar. And I just, I get the best ideas. I mean, all the downloads for my business, what new offering I should do for the name of the podcast, whatever it is, you know, once I land at my altar, send my root cord down into great mother earth, Gaia, tune into the wisdom, love, light, power, and truth that lives within me and is me and go up to great spirit. Once I've got that vertical line and I'm centered and clear and anchored, I, whether it's a vision or an auditory message or just an inner knowingness, I get really valuable hits every day. Absolutely. So what are a couple of meditation ceremonial experiences that stand out for you that provided some aha moments or really transformed your path? Yeah, there are a couple that stand out in the vein of what we were just discussing as far as, you know, one sitting might kind of open the door and then the healing will happen sort of in in progression from there. Mm -hmm. There was one sort of a trauma, I would say, that I experienced at a really young age that my mind had actually completely suppressed. Mm. And yet it affected me in every way. 
because when we experience these kind of traumas and particularly the ones that the mind suppresses because it's it's the, your subconscious way of protecting you in a way which says this is a big deal but we're going to revisit it when you're ready and disassociate from That's that right. yeah to keep mm-hmm. you feeling safe or to survive right. survival mode for sure for whatever i mean whatever intricate and divine way that it keeps you from needing to remember this yet So I guess it was 2017 that I had the door open for this trauma that had happened. And it was only sort of the the first phase of remembering even what was there. And initially, were you almost even questioning, is this a real memory? Or did you know right away this definitely happened? This part of it, I knew right away happened because it was sort of like this trauma had happened and it was something that I knew of put the pieces together in my mind to realize um, how, how profoundly dysfunctional it was. Got it. And how, how, how deeply it was affecting me still and my relationship to certain things and myself. So that opened the door for it. And then it was, you know, two years maybe or, or more really of real time work around that realizing, wow, yeah, this has so much affected so many aspects of my life. And so it would come up like, wow, I could see that this is why I relate to this this way because I've experienced this. And so I was kind of, I had to go through and just sort of recreate all of these ties, all of these ways of being, ways that I held energy in my body, ways that I related to myself and others. I mean, it was, there was so much work to do. And I would guess there were pockets and bubbles of rage or anger that surfaced at different times. Completely. Yeah. You got to go there. You got to go there. And of course, because this was related to, to another person, you know, it was that like dealing with that and still not you know, for me, I, I I try to be really aware of not being the victim of something. Yes, right? me too. I have to watch that. The for victim sure. archetype actually lives in my uh, archetype wheel. Wow. It lives in the house of my highest potential. <gasps> Ooh. I have to watch that mother like Interesting. a hawk. Okay. Yeah, that's a big <laughs> one for me. Yeah, so you get it. And, you know, it, it is. And I, I think in a way it's okay to let yourself go there sometimes where you just kind of can self-wallow. Just do that. Yeah. You, know, you need to self-wallow. It's fine. It's a conscious self-wallow. Absolutely. It's like I'm very aware that Absolutely. I'm doing this. I kind of do it sometimes <laughs> with Luke, um, you know, around the house. So, you know, uh, he lets me sulk, you know. Mm-hmm. I'll, I'll, I know I'm doing it. It's it's kind of like exaggerate. I'll stick my bottom lip out and be like, no, you know. And But it just feels good sometimes just <laughs> totally. give yourself a few seconds to just yes. pout around. <laughs> Absolutely. Get it out. Just release it. But don't stay there. Right. right? Because then, because from there, it's like, okay, I did, I do know that this happened to me. And I do also know it's my work to overcome. And you can't be a victim while you overcome. So you have to find your way. Then to, take responsibility. There it is. Yes. Because we, you know, whatever component of our soul, w- whether it's up when we're making our soul contract or whatever, wherever in the process, our highest self knew that in order for our soul to evolve in the way that we need this lifetime, for whatever reason, that other person needed to be the instrument or the quote unquote teacher for that thing to occur, for you to go to that place in your soul, for you to face, transcend, and evolve in the way that your highest self knew you needed to this lifetime. That's exactly right. So that's why, and I'm not saying that needs to or should happen overnight. Mm -hmm. Like looking at my ex-fiance and realizing he was the instrument for my awakening. And Mm -hmm. while it was simultaneously the most horrifying, Mm -hmm. you know, moment, it was also the most miraculous. Yeah. Now I was initially so angry, Mm -hmm. so 
just felt destroyed, you know? So I, it took me a long time to view him as, oh, he was simply the instrument for my awakening. At first he was a lot of other words, yeah, (laughs) you know, but it is so important to take responsibility. Yeah. And that's exactly what this journey was. And so it was a couple of years of just kind of real time, you know, and lots more sort of inner work through meditation until I reached a place where I had another memory unlock and it was the full memory. Mm. And again, I would not have been able to handle that, I don't think, before that moment. It's like it could only have unlocked then and only because I had done all this work already, two or three years worth of work around this, which, you know, just to give a little bit more context was a sexuality thing, a sexual trauma. And so for me to be able to see it then big picture and, you know, that was what I had completely not ever had any recollection of at all. Mm. That was what was completely Totally suppressed. Totally suppressed. And those two or three years created a safe space. You're what I call soul readiness. Mm -hmm. Your soul then got to a place where in a healthy way, it knew it could finally face, look, taste, smell, fully delve into the real root trauma, wounding. And sometimes it does, it takes, and that's why this path, you know, it's called the hero's journey and that's why it's infinite. But yeah, continue. This is very good. Good yeah. example. Yeah, I mean, and it's exactly that. And so I had the unlocking and then I've got, then I finally was able to really see the full picture. You know, and being a sexual trauma, it certainly related, it, you know, uh, affected my entire life, how I related to sex and sexual energy. And Can you give one example of, from what you experienced in this mm-hmm. trauma, what's one way in which you saw it showing up? You would gravitate to unhealthy dynamics or... In fact, well, it's funny because you were just talking about how sometimes these are our divine protectors, right? And when I look at it in totality, this was truly a divine protector as much as traumatic as it was. It was a divine protector because what it did for me was withdrawal from sex. Mm. Most of my life, I had this story like, I don't have sex with anybody who's not my man. That was kind of how I led my life. It, it just, and, and I, you know, I don't think that's wrong, but I think that that was only because I had such an awkwardness towards sex because of this trauma that I could, I just related to it in a way that I couldn't, I, it just didn't feel right to me. I wasn't, it wasn't something that like I, it was even necessarily pleasant to me very often. Right. I needed someone who was very, very safe for me to get to a place where I could be really free and open in that way. And that's why it just made sense that if, you know, I'm not in relationship with you, then I don't want to go there because it's not safe. It was coded. Talk about that yes. energetic coding. It was coded in dysfunction yep. or disturb. It was a disturbance. Right. And field. mind you, I have six Scorpio placements, right? As you know, I Scorpios. forgot about that. Yeah. Luke is also a Scorpio. <laughs> right. I love you guys. I mean, but yeah, you've got some deep yeah. things. Uh, sexual energy, you could almost call it that. There is like this kind of pervading sexual energy that is sort of known. The, you guys are definitely known for that. Yeah. But for, so I was, you know, if anything, I was certainly denying any aspect of that because it was just, a, I just didn't want, I was avoiding it completely. I always uh, kind of would laughingly, jokingly refer to myself as this escape artist because in situations with men, I always knew when I needed to get out before it would get to a place where it was going to be sexual. And it was just a constant like, avoidance. Well, what a life-changing, you know, meditation journey of many years because those kinds of aha moments, it's in the most beautiful way, this like cataclysmic explosion of illuminating awareness. Beautifully said. (laughs) 
That's amazing. Should we make that like a tweet or something? Yeah, please write that down. Um, t- tweetable. Uh, yeah. I mean, I mean, because it's just like in in one moment, all yes. the dots connect. Absolutely. All the, everything makes everything sense. Everything makes sense. That's and then exactly your life is different was. moving forward. Yeah. And because I, you know, I had done the work and I had already kind of, in a way, readied myself for something I didn't even realize I was readying myself for, you know, when I, the bomb dropped of like seeing the big picture of what actually happened and the full suppressed memory, it didn't hit as hard, right? Because I was like, oh, whoa. And then, okay, cool. You know, whereas if, if you know, either I had had that memory my whole life and or just, you know, without the context of having done all this work, it would have been a whole different conversation. But it was like, because my subconscious and my inner programming knows I'm going to constantly dive into the work. I'm going to constantly reach towards my higher self. And I'm going to constantly unlayer from the muck that keeps my energy body from being completely illuminated. Then it's like, cool, she'll keep doing the work. And then when it's time, we're going to drop this bomb and she'll be able to catch it. And that's the thing I talk about a lot the more your devotion to the spiritual path and your devotion to whatever spiritual practices feel aligned with your soul, this trust that you develop within yourself and the trust you develop with source and all that is, you just begin to know that whatever comes your way, you can handle it. Yeah. And I'm not saying it doesn't turn your life into an all positive experience. It's just whatever enters in, you're not pushing against it. Right. You're in a state of Mm non-resistance and whatever enters in, even as challenging or uncomfortable as it may be because of your devotion and working all of those different muscles, when the hard thing hits you can just be with it in totality with so much more ease and gentleness and less reactive energies. It's like, okay, this really horrible thing is happening. Mm -hmm. Okay. This feels really God awful. Oh God. Okay. I'm, am I going to throw up? It's Mm -hmm. like, you know, so before you might just go into a rage and throw something just because the energy just feels so chaotic. Yeah. But when you develop this trust, Mm -hmm. you're with the horridness. That's right. (laughs) In a beautiful way. Right. And, and which is such a beautiful bridge to why meditation as ceremony is so wonderful and goes back to my story because the bomb dropped for me last year, 2019, which as you know, was what I consider now my dark night of the soul year. Um, And it started off with this bomb having dropped, but the entirety of my dark night of the soul, I just, instead of reaching out and trying to grab for something to cope with or something that was going to help me get through, I reached in because that's all that I ever knew how to do. That was how I trained and trained myself to deal with things because I am say kind of fiercely independent if you will I'm sort of I you know I have the sort of lone wolf archetype and really and truly if I'm being honest you know the one person who whoever I laid all my burdens on was my mom who I will say now has has passed she passed in 2016 so you know my dark night of the soul year was certainly all the more sort of augmented by the fact that I didn't have that resource her but you know it when this bomb dropped and it was already just a kind of a crazy year for me. It was never that, what am I, you know, reaching out. I I don't even look out with my eyes to say what out here is going to save me. It's like, all right, 
go in. And I did. I mean, last year was hugely a hermit year for me because I was doing so much work. It was like any, I was like out only doing my work out and I come home and I do my work in. Um, so now I'm, you know, t- with 2020 being like a f- kind of a forced hermit year, I'm double, doubling up on these, these years of just a lot of inner journeying. And, you know, and I wouldn't have had that resilience if I had not already built it with this relationship that I have with meditation and, and going in and doing my own energy work to clear out. And in a way, I mean, and this is probably a Scorpio thing. It's kind of exciting for me. I mean, you know, I don't, I don't fear the darkness. I don't, you know, I don't fear anything that lives inside of me. I'm like, whoa, what else is here? Yes. And that's so beautiful. And that uh, is a main facet, as you know, of the, of the shamanic path. It's exploring all, not cutting off from anything, facing all, transcending all, you know, and, and that's how we can then get into our whole power. That's the only way. It's the only way. It's the only way. If there are any aspects that we deem too scary or shameful to look at or bring from the back blind spot area to the forefront to, to really face, if there are any of those aspects within you, there is some part of you that is cut off mm-hmm. from your wholeness. Absolutely. And as long as there are parts of you that are cut off from your wholeness, you're not able to be in your whole power. Right. Plain and simple. Plain and simple. And that's the beautiful thing about meditation It will is it will both introduce you to the parts of you that we might consider darkness or say the traumas or the things that don't feel quite as good, but it will also introduce you to that very absolutely remarkable and miraculous sacred joy. Mm -hmm. And you create more of a container for the sacred joy as you're willing to face the parts of you that are a little bit less comfortable and might provoke emotionality or things that don't feel great. But that's, it's all the entirety of the spectrum of what makes you, you. Yeah. I don't feel a need to get into this next thing that I'm going to bring up, but it just needs to be said. I can feel it. The aspect when I had my spiritual awakening and divine intervention with my ex many, many years ago, the aspect that revealed in that awakening moment when the veil was lifted and the egoic shell got obliterated and I was no longer in denial about many things, him, me, life, earth, existence, like the whole thing had a lot of veils pulled down over it. But in this moment, it was all gone and I was awake. And one of the things that revealed that initially was the most terrifying for me was the sex addiction piece. Mm. That addiction energy specifically for me just felt so dark yeah, so scary and so just so icky and scary. Yeah. You know, and, and realizing that my ex was really, um, that was one of the many ways he was suffering was mm-hmm. was through that vein of addiction. It took me many years, you know, to really be able to share space and examining that piece without just feeling, you know. Yeah, the icky. Icky. Mm-hmm. And uh, so, yeah, I just, I don't know, for some reason, it just felt compelled to to get that out into the open. But I want to talk about your mom, mm-hmm. you know, because I, she, wasn't she an author about like near-death experiences? Right. Yeah, she was. And so do you know how she got into the metaphysical path? You know, my family is from Louisiana and, you know, my grandma kind of dabbled a little bit in voodoo. I would say more so just magic in general. Uh, I think voodoo has sort of a negative connotation, which it certainly wasn't in my family at all. It was more just magic. Right. And she practiced magic. I would say my grandma did. So I think my my mother had the metaphysical context from that. But then 
she too was sort of like this lone wolf, kind of broke off from her family and found, you know, the divine journey on her own. And so I think because she was sort of like the lone wolf energy that she leaned into the divine also as her crutch, if you will. And what she found over time, I think, was her reconnection to it and her remembering her being sort of a medicine woman energy and archetype, which is exactly what she was. She was by profession a therapist, but also a Reiki master and energy worker. And also, yes, wrote her PhD dissertation on near-death experiences, which means that she spent years studying the gap between life and death, right? Because that's exactly what a near-death experience is, is where you meet that gap, but then you come back with the experience of having met the gap. Yeah, and yeah, your consciousness went into like the death space, right? but then it comes back into your physical body. And then as a human, you're able to then share your story if you so choose Mm -hmm. about what your death experience was like. Right. That's exactly. And that's what her whole book is about is her interviewing all of these people who had these experiences. And what's the name of it? I want to read it. I think it, I mean, I don't, gosh, uh, boy, I don't even know. Well, we'll put it in the show notes, but Mm -hmm. I'm I'm really curious about it because I do have a colleague and friend who I am going to have on Ceremony Circle who main focal point of his journey and where this certain invention came from was in his near-death experience. Right. Which is so such a common thread in all of these stories that it was such a pivotal and uh, scripted part of their journey was that this needed to happen because whatever download, whatever information was received, whatever happened in the gap, it completely changed their life and it completely became the forefront of what they were were to bring back into human nature. Yeah. And so I just remember in the times I would stay with you in LA, uh, your mom's drum, mm-hmm. you know, and you let me use it and play with it at your house. And it was so powerful. And I felt, you know, such a strong connection with her and I felt her presence in your home space mm-hmm. and, you know, definitely a very, very powerful woman. So can you just share whatever you want to share about what your spiritual connection is like to her now that she's in a different place? You know, how, do you communicate with her? And if so, how? Yeah, boy, she is still my best friend, you know, and in the human sense, I still feed from her every single day. In fact, as I was sort of meditating prior to us sitting down together, I just had tears in my eyes and that happened so often in just pure gratitude for what she gave me. It was like lifetimes of love and nourishment and divine connection. And it, but it wasn't in a way that to her, right? It was just that she gave me the context and normalized for me my own divine connection, that her love really just set me free. And so, you know, there was about a two-week period. I think they gave her two weeks. She passed away ultimately from complications of cancer. And there was a two-week period where she was just sort of steady declining, which simultaneously was obviously one of the most tragic two weeks of my life and most divine and beautiful because there was this reintegration of her back into the divine. And, you know, I certainly had my moments of just full losing it emotionally. And then we had our moments of just like pure divine you're going to graduate. I mean, I, I, I said that to her numerous times that it's like, you're, you're getting ready to graduate. And I know she would say to me, I'm just going to be in the other room. I'm just going to be in the other room. Is that what it feels like to you? It doesn't even feel like she's in the other room. Most of the time, if I'm being honest, it feels like she is right here. That's what I've sensed at your apartment. Yeah. (laughs) It's, It's, you know, 
and also, you know, because she gave me the context of what we call, consider angel numbers. And so that we had, you know, sort of affiliations for repeating numbers and such. And so I see her in those numbers. I see her everywhere. I see her everywhere. And while that's still the case, I still am human and I'm still a daughter who's lost her best friend mother. And I certainly took a year or two to really grieve that loss, which was horrifying. You know, as a human, it's a, it's a horrifying space to have lost your one person. I, and I think especially for you too, because, you know, your dad isn't always in your life right. either, mm-hmm. you know? And so I think you have had a, a pretty brave, tumultuous, I'm not sure what the right word is for it, but journey in terms of familial That's right. absence. Yeah. And again, another teacher, you know, I would say that I'm one who just doesn't, I'm sort of like my mother in the way that I, you know, I have family, but I don't really talk to them at this point. My sister, I do talk to regularly. She's just really the only one I would say of like my family of origin who I talk to more than like once a year, say, if even that if the, you know, of, of others, but it's not, you know, it's not anything negative to me because it is certainly a choice. I could absolutely reach out to anybody and have a relationship with any of them, but family has certainly redefined itself in the context of people like you, who I find along the way. And it's just like, oh yeah, this is my, these are my people. And these are who my chosen people, which, and my soul family and a remembering of my spirit, wherein for me, family Um, has been sort of almost teachers in the way of lessons and maybe more difficult experiences. You know, my mom kind of was both, obviously, because she was both really, truly the best thing that ever happened to me and a huge lesson and tragedy and trauma in a way. But yet, you know, and and yes, even in her divinity gives me the space to feel and get into the really dark depths of like that huge loss. And also, fuels me with magic on the regular and and keeps me connected. And, you know, in the final days where she had no consciousness, um, she was just, oh, and now her eyes would not really be awake or open, but she was still, you know, breathing, albeit slowly. I sat next to her and I just sort of memorized her vibration. And I would say to her sort of telepathically, vibrationally, energetically that I remember you and I'm going to always remember you and I'm going to always remember your energy and your vibration. And so I just, I would say the final kind of 48 hours um, that was my work with her was to sort of simultaneously allow her to bridge off into the divine and also really fine tune my connection to her energy and her vibration so that I could know it even more clearly than I did, which I think really helped me now in just, I mean, her her vibration and energy is just so clear and so clear that even those of people in my life who have not met her know her energy and her yes. vibration. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. You can tell she's a, she has, not that it always needs to express outwardly this way, but she has a fierce, strong mm-hmm. force yeah, within her. Totally. Really potent. Potent. Landed, grounded, strong, like, you know, the kind of energy you don't want to fuck with, but you don't feel scared of her either. Right. Mm-hmm. You know, just. Yeah. yeah. And it's funny because, you know, and a couple of times in meditation, you know, there are oftentimes in meditation, I do experience her. Sometimes it feels like she's just kind of holding space. Sometimes it feels like she's trying to message me something. And a couple of times what she was trying to message me was remembering a dream that she had while she was alive that at the time I was like, wow, that's an interesting dream or whatever, but it didn't kind of ping at the time, right? It was just sort of lived in my field. And so then she reintroduced it to me through meditation in her spiritual 
capacity to say, now revisit this, because this is what I was trying to tell you, you need this now. And one of the dreams in particular was of me being in her house with her and her waking up in the middle of the night and knowing she needed to go out into the middle of the street. And she did. And there was this big, dark energy that was trying to come and get me. And she said, get the fuck out of here to the energy. And she cleared it out. And at the time I was like, no, like I get it. And now, and the other day she sent that, she revisited that memory of that dream with me to say, I'm still doing that for you. Uh, You're still so protected, even more so now. My, my guns are even bigger. You yeah, know? yeah. That's exactly what I feel from her. That's so cool. <laughs> and then the other thing you two have in common is the Reiki energy. Right. You're both Reiki master. For sure. And I would love for you to just touch on that a little bit because I'm sure there are some people listening who don't know what it is, or maybe they've heard of it and not had a session before. Mm-hmm. And I am not a, you know, at least, you know, you know, I don't view myself as a Reiki person. So I don't know that I can really explain it. I've experienced your work. I know that it's palpable and powerful, but what the heck is it and what are you doing? Absolutely. Yeah. You know, with me, as I have evolved as an energy worker and a healer, I have sort of started to distance myself from Reiki in general because yes, that's the foundation of my energy work style. But I really think that, you know, I'm sure you can understand this as a medicine person, as you journey into your true craft, it's really just your own thing, right? And so you have these other tools and you have their your foundation that you've learned from and And you have kind of a whole entire tool bag, you know, because I certainly even use shamanic practices in my work and other energy work modalities, quantum healing, if you will. There's, you know, there's so many of them and they all converge at the midpoint of just being a channel for energy to come through you and into onto another being with the intention for healing and higher vibrational existing to occur. And so that's truly what it is, you know, and, you know, with Reiki specifically, the idea is that there are these symbols that live in our energy fields and we can access the symbols as a way to channel this energy, call it down through ourselves and then into whoever we are doing the healing work on. And, you know, I do use the symbols in my practice sometimes, but for me, it's more so even, you know, what I have found is an energy worker. I'm a clear and more powerful container, the less I think, which is also why meditation to me is also, I feel like I should be like able, you know, meditation is my 10,000 hours when it comes to my craft, because to me, the less I'm thinking during a session, the bigger the container I can be because my thoughts are not keeping me from just being in the totality of that really reverberating power. Um, And so, you know, with Reiki or energy work in general, what we're doing is we're using ourselves to supply and behold source energy with the intention to bring it in a more powerful way into the energy field and system of whoever we're working on as a way of clearing out the blockages as we were discussing before and sort of revamping energetically through the chakras and the meridians and the different ways that energy is held into the body to restore this person to their home frequency, wherein then they are more total in their vibration, more powerful in their being. Mm -hmm. And can you try to put into words the way some of your spiritual gifts work? Because I know sometimes when we're chatting on the phone and I'm sharing something, explaining something, then, you know, there might be a pause and you'll say, you know what's coming through or you know what I'm picking up on or getting. And so when you're listening to me share a story, are you 
you know, getting visions? Are you hearing messages? How are you picking up on what you pick up on when you're floating around those other places? Yeah, you know, when we're talking about our connection in the ethers and how we, you know, our, our sort of ethereal senses, we call them the clairs, right? So there's clairvoyance, there's clairsentience, there's audience, right? It's all the different ways that we pick up vibratory or energetic information. And for me, I definitely would call myself a clairsentient, um, which is one who sort of feels the truths that are coming through. Definitely in my work, I will say before I work with someone, have a kind of pulsating headache, say, and I can tell that it's theirs. You know, it's like, I can tell that it's not mine, but it's it's sort of me feeling their experience. And I'm starting to get the kind of download and the program that they're going to need for our work together. So yeah, I mean, I feel certainly, you know, like in in the context of our connection and our conversations, you know, you give, you kind of come to me and I'm sort of feeling, hearing, sensing, I guess, if you will, the truths that are wanting to come through and be reflected back to you. I also have, you know, in the human sense, a, a counseling background. I did start in this realm kind of as a counselor. And, you know, I, I think they say that the best therapist, the best counselor just reflects you back to you, right? Just gives the question back to you because we have our own answers. And so that's kind of simultaneously me reflecting you back to you and hearing what you're saying and reflecting it back to you in a way that maybe you're not even realizing that you're telling me what I'm hearing and giving it back to you so you can hear it differently, but also that there's these kind of downloads or messages from source that are saying, but plug this in too so she understands this aspect of it or give her this context that she might not be able able to see in this moment. So that's definitely what I do in my work. Um, you know, in my sessions, I always sit down and just kind of have sort of like uh, what you might call kind of a counseling session. Not really. It's more just a tuning in. Mm -hmm. And so I say, you know, tell me where you're at, what's happening, what's up, why are you here? You know, and we get into that so that we can kind of maybe get to the specifics of what we want to work on. So I always start there. The next level then is the energy work. You know, if, if the initial part is just like, yeah, everything's good. I just want to like get a tune up and I want to like, you know, burn brighter you know, we go into the session with that intention. If there's something particular that someone's working on or struggling with, you know, then we will kind of bring that into the session. And then during the session, of course, I'm constantly getting energetic reads and downloads and kind of pulling from their field, whatever is available information-wise. And then at the end of the session, give whatever information I received from the session. You know, sometimes I do feel people's spirit guides or ancestors or loved ones present. And so, of course, that's information that I give. During the session itself, most of the time, people are in that kind of really low brainwave state where they're kind of awake, maybe sort of asleep. And maybe they're also kind of in that spiritual ethereal realm of like getting messages or downloads. And some people are just passed out snoring, you know, there's the whole spectrum of how people receive energy. But yeah, that's kind of how the bulk of a how a session goes with me. Love it. And so I would love if you would just take a second and just dip into your own wisdom or the the records, the energy fields that are presenting right now, what medicine do you feel the world needs the most at this time? As you started the sentence, my heart was like, foom, foom. It's heart medicine. You know, it's heart medicine. It's loving each other again and letting each other have opinions that differ. And that's okay. It's all good. I can still love you if you have a different opinion than me, you know, and, and reconnecting there. It's just, I, I feel that, you know, there's a reason why in every religious text and in so much of spirituality and all these higher intelligence information, it, they talk about love. They talk about the heart. 
and living from the heart space and connecting to each other because it's the heart that humbles you into the humanness of it, right? Because you can be in the ethereals and it kind of, and sometimes you end up staying above the humanness. If you're too far ethereal and too connected up there, it's kind of like that Pollyanna energy of like not even coming back down to realize that you still got to be human too. You can't bypass this very important part. And so the heart, I think, is kind of the grounding piece that brings you back to your connection to yourself and to one another and to the world and to nature. And, you know, we, we really, I think, are just missing heart medicine. And we're so lost in the intellectualization of what's happening that we have disconnected from our heart spaces and our heart space connection to all things. I really agree. And the word kindness just mm. keeps coming in. Yeah. Kindness, kindness, yeah. kindness, kindness. I would love for all of us <laughs> to set an intention mm -hmm. every morning to be more kind. Yeah. Kinder to ourselves, That's right. to all living beings, yes. to other fellow humans. And, you know, we might all have our own journey to get to that place where it feels a bit more effortless to just be kinder. Right. But I would love if more of us just set the intention to have that awaken in our own lives because I just sense with all the upheaval and all the shadow extraction and all the, the energies that are coming with this great awakening time on the planet, which are beautiful in their own unique way. Yet, if you're not aware and if you're not careful and if you're not staying fully connected to your own being, to your own heart, to great mother, great spirit, whoever it is you connect to, you can easily get pulled into fear mm -hmm. right now. Absolutely. And, you know, when you're operating from mind, when you're operating from fear, it's just not optimal. For sure. And yeah. dipping into our heart space and just doing the best we can to stay centered in our own power and uh, being kinder, I, I think, is just very, very key right now. I completely agree. And I think it's important to remember that kindness can have a backbone. You know, you can kindly disagree with someone. You can kindly have a different opinion. But, there, but I think that that's exactly what it is, is that gap between reacting and saying, okay, I'm going to give feedback, but I'm going to do it in a way that's a little bit more gentle and I'm not triggered and projecting as we started the conversation with, but rather I'm sitting into like, oh, this isn't vibrating. This isn't resonating. Do I want to tell this person that? Um, yeah, I think I do. But let me, let me find a kind way. I can still be strong in what I have to say, but I don't have to like project it onto you. I don't have to make you wrong or bad because you may not agree with what I'm going to say, but I can still say it, right? And I can still even tell you no. I can still say this is not for me. This person isn't a vibe for me. I don't, you know, I don't fuck with their energy or whatever it is. And you can do it in a kind way. It's not, again, it's not to make them the bad guy. It's just to simply say, eh, it's not for me. It is very possible to be very strong and anchored in your strength, yet kind absolutely at the same time and i think it's safe to say especially in our culture over here i think that there's this misunderstanding that in order to be firm or be strong that it that also needs to equate to or come with like being mean or mm -hmm. harsh or mm -hmm. you know like that it needs to be delivered with a certain 
veracity in order for that person to get that you mean business. <laughs> <laughs> so, so true. Did you like that finger, <laughs> a finger shake? <laughs> you don't, you don't mess with my... right, The pounding of the fist. You know? So real. But yeah. I have found the more I integrate with my femininity and the mm-hmm. more I integrate with my grace and just a very gentle groundedness of knowing my strength. I can, I'm more strong that way. Absolutely. In the delivery and the embodiment. Absolutely. And, you know, because we are so programmed in our society to like, if you're going to say no, it's going to come hard as an iron fist. Yeah. When you come with like a no, thank you. You know, it's like, people don't know how to respond to that in a way because they don't like it can be a very clear no thank you but you know we we're so used to rejection coming in the form of like hatred or anger or you know all these sort of charge yeah charge and harsh emotions that a simple no thank you is like whoa whoa you know people are, are at a loss of how to kind of handle that kind but firm no yeah, just healthy, clear boundaries. And, right. You know, there are ways to, if you're confused about someone or how they live their lives, you know, you can have kind inquiry and mm-hmm. pose kind questions. For sure. It does not need to come from a judgmental or shaming or mm-hmm. mean-spirited place. Right. And again, if it does, that's your own work. Correct. So let's dive into your form of ceremony, which Mm -hmm. does not involve plant medicine. (laughs) Today does not involve any tools. While sometimes you do work with crystal singing bowls, today we're not working with those. It's involving you and Mm -hmm. you only. Yeah. And it is. It's just bringing in source energy, higher intelligence, higher power, and the earth energy, which is one way that I feel so divinely connected with you. Because one thing that really stood out for me, it was so beautiful, was at your birthday party, which was so amazing and wonderful and so much fun. And we were dancing and, you know, it was, it was such a Capricorn party. Capricorn bash, 2020. It was everything. And, you know, mid-party, we all came together for you to do this just kind of divine invocation of calling in earth energy and calling in source energy. You know, we had just literally gotten done twerking. <laughs> and we go, in our leopard cat suits. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, and to me, it's just like, aha, that's why she's my person, you know, one of my people, one of my soul family, because you are the midpoint between all of it and you have you know you are certainly the humanist and you can do the twerking thing and then you can stand in the middle of the group and make sure that we're all still interconnected to one another and to the divine and to earth which too is my medicine so that's what we're going to do today beautiful is there any preparation needed for our listeners not much aside from you know i always encourage you to make any even five ten minute practice intentional so if you want to set your space at all burn palo santo or light a candle or anything else that just kind of says i'm going into ceremony feel free but if that doesn't resonate with you it's absolutely not necessary all of that is just sort of you know the the context of the truth which is just the beingness of it Beautiful. Okay. Let's go on this little mini voyage with Danica. Let's go. So just finding yourself in a comfortable position. And again, that's completely up to you. If you want to just find a comfortable seat, if you would like to lay down. What if you want to snuggle with a pet? Snuggle with a pet. Do it. Snuggle with a friend, whatever you want to do, whatever is going to be safe and comfortable and where you can really relax and release. 
And then just start to allow yourself to arrive into that position and into that space. Set down anything that's on your mind, anything that's on your heart, anything you're carrying, any burdens, any worries, set them all down. And really allow all of the multidimensional aspects of yourself to arrive completely right here and right now. And as you do so, you can allow your awareness to find its way to the breath. And let the breath be this invitation into self, an invitation into remembering who you are. That the breath is also constantly forgiving you for forgetting. You can give yourself a nice full inhale right here and just feel your body expand, feel the power of this breath. And then a nice full exhale, feel your body loosen even more completely down into space. Let's do another, a nice full inhale, feel the body expand with breath, this beautiful breath. And a full exhale, if you can open your mouth, clear it out, let it all go. We'll take one more nice full inhale, feel everything rise and lift. And a completely full exhale invites you home to yourself. And then just returning to the normal rhythm of your breath. You notice that the home of the breath is right in the center of your heart space. These wonderful and amazing lungs that breathe the breath and keep you connected to the gravitational pull of the universe and Mother Earth. And as you tune into the breath and into heart center, you feel above you the expansive and limitless universe. The sun and the moon and all of the stars. The universe is beyond our universe and beyond that. The expansion and contraction that is ever present in the universal energy, we call that spanda. As you tune into this spanda energy, you notice that it is a reflection of your breath. That so is within the universe, is also within you. Expansion and contraction. Interconnectedness. Intergalactic and interstellar energies that are ever-present and ever-available. Higher forces and higher powers. And as you tune in, you notice there is no separation between your beingness and this higher intelligence. That spirit is within and beyond. Just like the breath.
And we integrate our energies into this universal force field and we hold ourselves there as we now tip our awareness down into Mother Earth. The divine, intricate details of this planet, this beautiful home that we all occupy collectively. This energy grounds us. And like plants and trees, it nourishes us. And it steadies us down into our bodies and into our humanness and into this amazing human experience. Where we need be nowhere but here. In connection to Mother Earth. in connection to the natural world, in connection to ourselves and to one another. And so we allow that energy to continue to ground us down into space and into our humanness. And we find the midpoint between the limitless universe and the grounded beingness of the earth that lives right in the center of our heart. Like a seed ready to bloom and to flower. Watered and nourished from the energy of the earth. and fed expansion and evolution through the energy of the universe. We find that that seed of truth is not bound within our heart space, but rather is the entirety of our beingness. That we are simultaneously the expanded energy of the universe. and the grounded energy of beingness. And in the context of that truth, we are complete. Let it be that we continue as a collective to embody that midpoint, that we bring the earth energies and the universal energies into all that we do and all that we are. So that way we may embody those truths in the delicate and divine and sacred ways that we show up in this life exactly as we are. And every time we choose to remember we have access to this abundant source energy And we can lean in and the path will be under our feet. And so it is. And so it is. That was so lovely and full and rich and 
those listening, you can stay in your space if you'd like, just stay in the field that was created. This beautiful mantra came in at the end, I am an expanded being. Mm, I love that. I am an expanded being. So true. Absolutely. So I feel like that is the perfect way to start to bring our beautiful ceremony circle to a close is just infusing that beautiful mantra around the Mm. circle, around the space and the energy that I will coat with that mantra is Mm. the energy of kindness. Yes. I am an expanded being. And as we allow ourselves to be these glorious, bright, shining, human, expanded beings who are kind, just see what comes up for you, you know, as you hear those words or see those words or tune into those words spinning around our ceremony circle that we're all creating right now in this moment together as we're located all around the planet. What comes up for you when you feel into, I am an expanded being who is kind? Mm. Feels like a perfect way to close. Love it. Any other parting words? I will, of course, link and put, you know, your information for folks to connect with you. And Mm -hmm. any other thoughts that came up that, you weren't able to express before that you want to express now? Boy, I feel pretty complete. You know, I just want to encourage everybody listening to remember that your truths are only your own and that there's no comparison to anybody else that other people and um, other teachings can be arrows pointing you in the direction of your truths, but only you will ever really know what it means to be your own expanded being. And I hope that you lean into that and that you choose to remember because the world needs you, especially right now. Aho. Thank you so much. Thank you, Allison. Thanks, much, much love. Thanks for coming. Absolutely. And everyone, thank you for once again harmonizing together in the world's largest ceremony circle that we all co-create together. It's always so beautiful to share space. And I look forward to voyaging with you all again soon. Much love, everyone. Woo! What a powerful voyage that was. It is just my greatest honor. It brings me so much joy and activates and lights up my soul to be able to sit with these incredible embodied, true spiritual masters and leaders from all over the world. I ask that you please, if you feel called, continue to support them and their work in whatever way that feels aligned for you please go to my website where all the show notes are listed, www.allisoncharles.com. That's www.allisoncharles.com so that you can access their direct links to their website and social media platforms and additional information about them. And remember, what makes Ceremony Circle so unique is that at the end of every single episode, as you just experienced, we immerse in a powerful 
ceremony, ritual, invocation, prayer, spiritual song, some sort of activation that the guest feels called to offer on that day. So listen to your intuition. If at any point moving forward, you feel called to come back and re-immerse in this guided ceremonial experience, do so. Because I guarantee every single time you experience it, you will receive a new medicine transmission, a new awareness, a new awakening aspect within your soul. It has been an honor voyaging with you. Please keep the Ceremony Circle community vibes growing and activating. Find me on Instagram at I am Allison Charles. And let me know how you enjoyed this episode. Let me know how you are creating your own sacred Ceremony Circle space. Tag those in your soul fam who are immersing in the Ceremony Circle episodes and experiences with you. And let's unite in the next episode coming out next week so we can continue to activate the consciousness energies of planet Earth and the universes. This podcast is for information and entertainment purposes only, and my intention is not to provide medical advice or diagnosis. You should always consult a health professional before making drastic changes to your diet or lifestyle.